0: Leadership is not a rank. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is a decision. Leadership is a choice.
1: So we talked about his career and I said, well, why don't you go for that leadership position?
0: For better or for worse, we all have to
1: work with people we don't always like. Would you consider yourself a leader? I could not be the
2: expert of all of these people. You can
0: take all the credit in the world for the things that you do right, as long as you also take responsibility for the things you do wrong. Leaders
1: have power and they have more control over where they want things to go. That advice that we get from that leader is always so bad.
0: You get to take credit when you also take accountability. You want to be an elite warrior. It's not about how tough you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how fast you are. Are you struggling
1: with your job? helping them to arrive at their own solution. But not every person can actually be a leader. You need to learn to be the last to speak. Leaders have to be able to put a plan into place. They have to have a vision. The actions you take in the first few months in a new job will have a major impact on your overall success or failure. <laughs>
0: If you want to be an elite warrior, you better get really, really good at helping the person to the left of you and helping the person to the right of you.
1: I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm going no one gets on, because I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people jump up. fighting it'll make you choke. You can't provoke, you can't cope. You should have broke because I ain't no joke.
0: Hey everyone, this is Dr. Don Emmerich with Leadership Uncensored. Thank you so much for your interest in joining in my new podcast. Uh, episode one is Hold My Beer, um, timely, of course, and this is really talking about how our plans have not been going as planned, as really related around the COVID-19 situation. At this really great conversation with Angela Garris from Kansas City Repertory and Inspired Arts Management, as well as Joel Lamp from Airstream Adventures in Jacksonville, Florida. And they really had some really interesting perspectives, you know, one's from the arts and one from sports. And, and some of the big nuggets that I took away from this interview, you know, concepts like, um, you know, throwing away the strategic plans that things are changing every single day. And so being able to take that strategic plan and putting it to the side and maybe focusing more on the operations side of your organization. And while you're focusing on the operations, because those are the day-to-day tasks, um, not forgetting about the importance of relationships, both internal and external. I think it was also really good to hear um, from both about staying positive um, Boy these are just really difficult times right now and we're all trying to do the best that we can under these circumstances and so it's really hard and easy it's really easy to get bogged down in a negative and in crisis and in stress and so trying to stay positive and be a model for your staff it's hard. I have slipped. And I have spoken to so many people who have felt like they are leading in a way that they are not used to leading. And so really recognizing that and kind of doing a reset on what that productive um, and trying to stay positive. I I think it's also um, important to hear from them about creating a safe space for um, staff and for yourself and being able to get feedback from your donors, or from your board, or from your boss, and being able to give good feedback to your staff, productive feedback to your staff, whether it's 360 evaluations. Um, But then that safe space is really important so that people can feel that they have the space to correct, and that they can do that in a positive way. I really hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. This is Leadership Uncensored, episode one, hold my beer. If you ask any historian to name periods of American history that changed the American way of life, many of them would agree that the following 1920s, the women's suffrage movement, 1941, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, and 1968, MLK and RFK assassinations, And 2001 terrorist attack on the World Trade Center in the Pentagon, you know, changed the way that Americans live, you know, their lifestyle. So COVID-19 has upended our entire society and the way that we do business. Many leaders across all business sectors have spent much of the last six months trying to get used to the exhaustive lifestyle and business changes that the novel coronavirus has brought. You know, of course, working remotely and then all of the social distancing edicts, the mask wearing, screening for temperature when you walk into buildings. I mean, these are all just really different ways of of us doing business. Leaders know crisis can lead to the emergence of great common purpose, solidarity, creativity, innovation, dysfunction, and even at times, loss of employment. All the rules have changed in 2020. Episode one gets real about the triumphs and the perils of when your vision for your team and the organization doesn't go as planned during a world pandemic. Today, we have two special guests that will be talking about their true experiences as leaders in their space of uh, professionalism and, and community engagement. I am thrilled to invite and to have as guests two of uh, my favorite people in the world who really are doing amazing work in the field of arts and theater, as well as the sports and entertainment. Clearly, those two um, areas of our American culture have been impacted by COVID-19 and, and the coronavirus. So let me get you uh, introduced here. Angela Garris is a ferocious learner, coach, and leader who is dedicated to the exploration and application of best practices and nonprofit management and leadership. She is currently the executive director of Kansas City Repertory Theater and founder of Inspired Arts Management, LLC. She is a passionate change agent and strategic-minded theater executive with an MBA and an MA in arts administration, whose two decades of experience has resulted in a track record of success in growing audiences, doubling fundraising dollars, strengthening financial results, and building organizational capacity by nurturing the strengths of the leadership team. She has senior leadership experience in social service, public broadcasting, and the arts. Her passion and skill in leadership development was cultivated through training at the Kansas Leadership Center and the Harvard Business School Strategic Perspectives in Nonprofit Management. Nationally, Angela serves the field of theater as a board member of the League of Resident Theaters and as its EDI co-chair. She has recently been appointed as the treasurer for Theater Communications Group, the National Service Organization for Nonprofit Professional Theaters. She has served as a mentee for two years for Lortz Mentoring Program. She is inspired by building trust, helping others succeed, and witnessing the seeds of leadership development and growth. Her core values are authenticity, connection, and learning. Thank you, Angela, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So my other guest is Joel Lamp. Joel is the Senior Director of Events and Tourism at Airstream Ventures. Joel is responsible for building events that bring tourism to the communities that Airstream Ventures serves. He is also involved in selling partnerships within all projects of the company. Since his first job working in athletics as a student, Joel has 22 years of experience in the sports world, working at every level of Division One, on top of stints in professional sports and the public sector. Joel's history of major events include hosting the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, USA Curling National Championship, the Georgia versus Florida Game, MLS Spring Training events, Davis Cup, and creating the First Coast Amateur Golf Championship. He most recently served as the Senior Associate Athletic Director at the University of North Florida, increasing its fundraising efforts to new record heights. A native of Decatur, Alabama, Joel graduated from Jacksonville State University in 2001 with a bachelor's degree in communication. He and his wife, Bonnie, have one son, Stephen. Thank you, Joel, for joining me.
1: Thanks, Dawn. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on the launch of Leadership Uncensored. I couldn't think of a better and more timely topic for us to talk about the the wins and the perils, if you will, of leadership during a world pandemic. I mean, Angela, you're right in the thick of theater. You, your whole role um, in community theater is to get butts in seats, and so certainly this pandemic has has certainly changed a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean, yes, it has, and and it has changed the way that we are doing almost everything. Um, I would say that strategy was key for me at the beginning of my career and making sure that you had a good strategy, making sure that um, everyone was in alignment. And at Casey rep, we went into the pandemic in a beautiful kind of really strong way. Um, We had just announced a new artistic director in September. We had, Um, He and I had created this strong collaborative partnership because I'm a co-CEO with an artistic director. Um, We had innovative art. We were aligned around a new season that was going to highlight the kind of work that he could do that could bring in new audiences. Um, And we announced our, our season that would start in September on February 17th. And you know, four weeks later, we were at opening night of a New Works Festival. We canceled opening night performances of two shows. And I would say that at the beginning of this, um, we were meeting daily, kind of thinking about um, what, what this was going to mean for us. We were very naive in what we were thinking. We were just meeting daily, thinking about how to create a plan, how to how to make sure that we could transition people to work from home. We weren't thinking about it as a really long process. I think we were thinking, oh, it'll be a few months and we'll come back in and we'll restart the season. Um, again, we were very naive at the very beginning of it. Um, and and as the, the best example, the best metaphor I can use for this time is when we came out of the gate on March 13th, we were running a sprint. We believed it was short term. We believed that we were gonna be able to get to the finish line and we would start back up and we would start a new race. As time has gone by, you begin to realize that this is actually a marathon, that the marathon doesn't have an end. You don't see a finish line and you're not sure when you will. So you have to begin to maintain your energy to be able to get you through that time. And um, for us, COVID actually strikes at the heart of the work that we do. And it's, and I would think that it is similar to sports, which is we bring large groups of people together to have common experience and to create memories from those experiences. It is, um, it is hard to think that, our society is going to live without those things for a while, and when we come back together, they will be very different than they are now. Um, I think, for me, when, when I when I think about what has changed from my perspective, that the way I lead, uh, one of the things I had to do very early on was develop a mantra. Because if you thought about all of the things that were in front of you, it was pretty daunting. And from the very beginning, I I adopted a philosophy of smaller is better than gone. This organization can still serve people even if we're smaller. But if we are gone from this community, we are unable to serve people. So being able to think about if you are smaller, it is better than than not being here at all. And then also um, focusing on, instead of focusing on true strategy, thinking about making the next best decision. It isn't a strategy right now because you can't see the future and strategy requires you to be able to envision something right now. We can't do that. So we just have to make good decision after good decision and just put one foot in front of the other. The other really big thing that I realized is that vulnerability is a key. It's a necessity when there is so much uncertainty and fear with your team. And if you aren't able to be vulnerable in this time, it it is very hard to connect with people because they are scared. Um, And finally, um, the last few are patience is a virtue. I'm not very good at being patient, but this has definitely taught me that you have to be patient and you just have to make one decision and then make the next one. Um, being able to over-communicate, especially when there is that much uncertainty, feels so important. And, you know, my my process in the past would be, I'm going to communicate it once, people are going to get it, you know, we'll do an all-staff meeting and, and that'll be it. Now it is an all-staff meeting, an email newsletter, uh, making sure there's updates weekly, making sure there's check-ins, so much more that we're needing to do to make sure that we are connected to people. And that brings me to the last part, which is the utilization and embracing of technology has made most of this possible. I think in, in the silver lining perspective at this time, I think we all adapted faster to technology than we would have ever envisioned had we not been forced to.
0: Angela, that was so... Um that was so good. I have so many follow-up questions for you. Um, But before I do that, I was taking a lot of notes. And so before I do that, though, I, um, I would really love to hear, um, you know, Joel's perspective from the sports and entertainment. I mean, very similar to Angela, you know, sports bring people together. It's very difficult to have an, a, a sports experience without the convening of people and the socialization and the interaction of fandom, right? So Joel, tell me a little bit about how you've had to change the way that you do your job as a leader, as an organization that is working in this space. What's happening?
1: Don, thanks for having me on. And Angela hit on a lot of great points. And what she was saying to start is this is untraversed territory. Every day is a new day. You don't know what new thing is going to come out. You don't know I, the positive test rate changes and then uh, everybody's up at arms and plans you've had made for two to three months get ripped up and you're starting over again. And the one thing I keep going back to is, is uh Angela mentioned it, is adaptability. It's being able to pivot and What you're seeing, I feel like, especially in the sports world, is how do you pivot as fast as you can to engage uh, as much of your fan base and as much as your following as possible? Um, We're doing that. We've we've got a uh, a professional motocross race that is now on its third scheduled date for this year, Um, and knock on wood that the end of September. we will be having it. I I wasn't even able, supposed to be able to talk to you today. I should be out setting up final touches, media day for motocross. Instead, it's postponed a couple of months. Uh, you're, seeing, you're seeing that a lot with everybody. Is how do you ma- how do you navigate this new world as best you can, and you make the best decision you can based on the information you have in front of you, and you adjust and make backup plans to backup plans and every event's got an eight you you already have backup plans and know how some things are going to work in advance now you're thinking oh I, I gotta make sure everybody's six feet apart how do i make sure everybody's six feet apart you know it's almost you go back to like the elementary school and everybody's got to like stick their <laughs> arms out touch anybody, and you know doing i mean it's some some of this basic stuff but it's also it's like okay can we have an event um where we have no fans does it make sense for us to do that does it make sense for us to have an event and it's such a limited number of people and uh how are our sponsors going to react to it how are the how's it going to look when it's televised um all those things you know the with baseball starting back you're you're seeing these massive baseball parks that are empty and it's and it's Weird watching it on TV. It's almost like watching some, like, apocalyptic movie. They're still playing baseball after the apocalypse. Nobody left except the baseball players. Uh, But that's – the whatever we thought normal was in February is not normal now, and it may never be back to that again. So now it's whatever – normal changes on a day-to-day basis. And so it, from and from a leading standpoint, it's the, the big thing I, I have to remind myself every day is, is that you can't let one little thing or one defeat, even if it's a big thing, you can't let one defeat beat you. You have to keep plugging forward to keep moving forward, keep putting one step in front of the other um, because, and we've been fortunate with some of the pivoting we've done in some of our elements, we've created some new opportunities that have worked out tremendously well for us. Um, and as we continue to go through this, we also are seeing tremendous opportunities that are going to open up. There's so much innovation happening out of necessity um, that you're going to see some really cool things come out of out of this.
0: You know, and I think that that's something that I was listening to the, to the both of you. Um, and that is this idea that, Well, I mean, so Angela, you talked about having your strategic plan. Like don't even, don't even brush the strategic plan off. You know, you can't be visionary and think, you know, think three, five years, hell, you can't even do it 12 months from now. Right. And so you're really just kind of doing, and I heard both of you say, just putting that foot, that one foot in front of the other and just try to take it day by day by day. And that's so contrary to leaders sometimes, right? Like that is not your default. Your default is, "What's our vision? How are we going to get there?" You know, pulling all of your staff together and your teams together to try to advance that strategy. And you're not doing that any longer. And and so the the thing that's really interesting, the, both of you kind of said that, but what you also said is that this has forced you to do things that you, you know, to 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 think of things from a business model that you would have never even considered prior to this. So isn't that an opportunity?
1: Absolutely, I, I think I go back to it. We've We've created some cool things. We ended up working with the local high schools here to create a virtual graduation television showcase. Not a graduation because the kids are actually having their graduation ceremony, but it was an opportunity where hey, if you aren't able to have a graduation ceremony, we've got this opportunity in um, rallying the community around it. And we did ended up doing, I think, 35 shows out of that, recognizing 35 local high school classes. Um, So now it's kind of like, oh, well, we did this once, how do we do this next year? How do we do it again? Is it um, How do we make it bigger and better, and how do we get more kids involved? Can we start working on stuff a little bit earlier so that way it's not a race to the finish every week to get everything turned in? Um, but I think that's where, for, and from a business standpoint, we've come up with some new opportunities, and uh, we've had some, uh, we're doing a jet ski race in two weeks that we booked two weeks ago because they got booted out of a place. We've got an opportunity. And so it's, uh, you know, one, one area's loss is another's gain. If, uh, you've got the right people behind it. And so, you know, our, our thing has always been, let's stay, let's stay on the ball as much as possible and see how many different things we can do and make, make things happen.
0: So, so Angela, I want to hear your response to that, but real quick, Joel, I mean, I think that it's really interesting that you've got two, you got two different types of events that you're doing that are outdoor in nature. So that's good, right? Like these are outdoor um, events and they're not, maybe the motocross, but Jet ski is not necessarily a spectator sport. I mean, unless you're going to have barges out on the water where the spectators can come and watch a jet ski. But that's not something that you have to really, that's not an event that you have to worry about, you know, putting butts in seats. I mean, it's really an outdoor event that you can still hold. Yep.
1: Right. And the the big thing we've realized, especially, and even with motocross, um, the great thing about motocross is it's over... 20, 30 acres, we can yes. distance the crap out of some people. <laughs> over <30 laughs> um, and, and with the jet ski event, it's, it's made for TV. It, it fills some heads and beds and provides a, a different event to go to a, at the beach that you don't see very often. Um, yeah. so creating that opportunity and that event and rallying the community around The great thing is people are going to the beach regardless. We're able to capitalize on it a little bit and sell the destination a little bit and, and showcase it in a different way than we never would. Excellent
0: point. Angela, what are you doing differently than you would have never done before? I
2: think the nature of theater is that it's a, it's alive, right? It it, it is a live in-person experience. And, uh, Performance on a screen is typically movies or TV, and it feels very different in a theater. So we have had to embrace the idea that if we're going to provide our art to people, if we believe that the art is important, which we do, then how do we make it accessible in a time where they may not be able to gather in person? And so that has caused us to really think about how do you create the best capture of a stage experience? And, um, and we're investing a lot in uh, when we bring shows back that we will be able to do a three camera capture to make it so that if we have to pivot to online or streaming, we can do that easily. Um, we also have been really embracing social in a different way than we ever have. I would say that our social media was pretty passive before COVID. Now we have um, we have something called the Thursday Night Mixer, which is hosted by our artistic director. And he takes a staff member from Casey Rapid, and two artists from the community and has a dialogue about what, what creativity means how you're inspired during this time, um, really engaging people in a totally different way to get our community invested in the artists who are not able to work right now. I mean, when you think about the devastation of the artists that work for us, the staff that works for us who create the work that we put on stage, many of them are unemployed right now. And so, um, being able to engage them in a totally different way. The other thing is, and uh, Joel spoke to this a little bit, is that budgets right now are um, they are time sensitive documents. <laughs> they um, are they don't last very long. So we have had, now had two board approved budgets. In between each of those board approved budgets, uh, there are about fifteen iterations that didn't make it to the board. We are now on our third one that we will present to our board that is totally different than the first two. And, and just re-envisioning content, re-envisioning when will we be able to gather people into our space? Um, we are actually thinking about some stuff for the fall that is more of an outdoor experience yeah. because while we have never produced outdoors, um, it is important to be able to make people feel safe and have something that is different than what we've done historically. And so, you know, re pivoting, those two words are key for us in almost every discussion that we have
0: right now. So, so for both of you, this is, you know, you know, one of the things that's really interesting as I'm listening to you um, is obviously, yes, we're all having to be very innovative, which is a really core characteristic of really good, strong leadership is you've got to be able to pivot. You've got to be able to have backup plans and, um, and to be able to move fast. And so one of the other things that I'm hearing from you is this, um, it's about the relationships, right? Like we as leaders, we got, we can't just be in our office. We've got to engage our employees. We've got to engage our, our stakeholders and community. Let's talk about fundraising, because fundraising is all about relationships. How has that changed the way that you do? How has this changed the way that you fundraise and think about, um, you know, that development perspective? And and Joe, I'm going to ask you to respond to that. I mean, your livelihood is sponsorships.
1: Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing, I mean, how many Zoom meetings can you do in a day? Um, how many texts, you know, I, I think it's also turned, uh, I always like getting in front of people and having lunch or coffee or sitting in front of you and face to face and able to talk about a hundred different things and ultimately bringing it back to the source of whatever project we're working on and being able to have that conversation. And right now it's, everything's a little bit more pointed and it's more direct because it's, you're not jumping on it. Everybody's tired of zoom calls. So you're not doing a zoom call just to do a zoom call. Um, and so, uh, being able to have authentic relationships, being able to sit down with people, it's you're, you're sitting down via computer. Um, I, we had a call uh, last week and it was, um, uh, their first of six hours in zoom meetings and they're like hey how fast you know let's plow through this i really i don't want to be on zoom all day because i want to be done at four o'clock and then i can do the two hours of work that i can't get done because i'm on zoom for six hours and so it's how you know it's everybody's got different priorities now and it's also Uh, finding that point where people are still supporting what you're offering. Uh, And Angela knows that it's, you know, events aren't happening as much. You're not getting in front of eyeballs as much. You're not doing those things as much now. Um, And so it's a different uh, way of life. Um, You're having to figure out different ways, different hooks for people, um, different elements that Match up with their needs slash wants, but it's also making sure that they've got money to spend because of their business and what they're going through right now. Um, and so it's everybody's got a different story, and it's also everybody as a community. I think that's one thing that, and Angela, I think you could probably echo this. The big thing is the community based efforts are what people are supporting right now because. That that sense of community is something nobody wants to lose at this point.
0: Yep. So Angela, let's talk a little bit about development. Some of the challenges that you have in terms of relationship development and sponsorships.
2: Yeah, I the the thing that I've really focused on in fundraising. First of all, we have an incredible fundraising team at KC Rep. Uh, one of the biggest challenges we had at the very beginning was we have a fundraiser that annually raises about a half million dollars for us a year, um, and we had to cancel it because it was at very early on. It was it was prior to virtual events beginning to pick up steam. And um, and we did pivot to that. We still ended up raising a good amount of money, given that we didn't do the event. And most of the donors at the very beginning were really great about, hey, go ahead and use it for the best cause. Um, what I have found that is helpful right now is a level of communication with your funding community that you maybe haven't had in the past. So there are some funders that I'm talking to once a month and giving them insight into what's going on, making sure they understand when we are doing budget cuts, when we are uh, restructuring staffing, when we got our PPP loan. Um, Each of those things is a very important marker uh, for our success and our health. And so being able to bring donors along during that, whether it's phone or Zoom, which I've done both with with funders. The other thing that we did, and this is a a new thing that we started, was uh, we are going to have a series of salon nights where uh, we will bring in our funders and we'll talk about Casey Rep at the very beginning, tell them, kind of update them on what's going on, but then engage them in the conversation about the art again with a, I would say, a soft ask at the end. And and the soft ask is actually, hey, this community is a very generous community. It loves the arts. We need you more than ever yeah. now. Uh, and, uh, and that the reality, and, I, and when I talk to colleagues around the country, is that there are gonna be arts organizations that fail. They just are. They're not gonna make it through this time. Uh, and how you continue to support the arts right now will determine whether or not they are able to be successful coming out of this. This is not a short-term fix. This is a probably five-year trajectory of recovering to COVID times. Um, And all of that, it requires good communication with your donors. It requires being able to ask people to really step up in a moment that is very difficult and they're not quote, getting anything. They're not getting the art. They're not, but for one of the things I love about fundraising is that you create this amazing relationship with people and an organization. And they invite you to be part of the good they do in their life. And that hasn't gone away. That is still there. The core of doing good and helping the arts be successful coming out of this crisis, that is still there. And getting people engaged in that process, getting them to realize that there is an end. We don't know where it is. We don't know where the finish line is. But at the end, you want to emerge back into a community that has vibrant arts and are able to gather and be successful and create beautiful art together.
0: The arts and sports are, are, are really different entities, right? But at the same time, the, co- the, the common thread that brings everybody together um, with arts and sports is the people. Um, and it's, it's the value of the socialization and the experiences that both of you are trying to generate in your community. And what I'm hearing from both of you as well is, again, from your leadership perspective, you're having to redefine what that value is. And, um, that's, that's why we're in the positions that we're in is that it is our responsibility, even without a strategy, right? Like all, I mean, all of our leadership training, everything is always about the strategy, the strategy, and, and that has changed. And now both of you are in the, the, um, You know, the business of redefining what entertainment is and how do we still get people to connect to it, whether that's our staff, whether that's the community, and whether that's our external relationships. Um, Fascinating conversation, you all. Thank you so much for your insight on um, the differences that all of us are having to, um, how we have to lead in, in this environment, but yet still some very strong commonalities between all of us. Um, and how we, uh, you know, again, be effective leaders. So thank you for sharing your insight. So now we're going to kind of do some, some things that are fun. Um, again, I, I wanted this podcast to be where people who are listening can take away some very significant nuggets of information and apply them to their own world and to provide some assurances, you know, you're not the only ones out there that are struggling. And you might feel like you're on an island because maybe you have felt like you haven't been effective. Maybe you, maybe you've made mistakes. Um, You know, this is totally have gotten you off your game. This podcast is to, is to connect with you to say, no, you know, we're all struggling in this. And so I wanted to be authentic, but I also think it's really important that we have fun and that we have the ability to laugh at ourselves. We have to, right? Like we can't take this, so seriously all the time. So we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round here. So this is going to be called the 30-second hot seat. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples so that you know what to do, that we're going to do. It has two parts. So the first part, uh, round one, is I'm going to ask you in 30 seconds, I want you to answer a series of leadership-related prompts, but you can only answer those prompts using less than three words for each prompt and you got 30 seconds to do it. Okay. So let me just keep, I'll run down the prompts for you. I'll run them real fast. The good, the bad, the funny, the ugly, the worst, the best, the kick ass, the lessons, the redemption, the cry and the embarrassing. So, so I'm going to do, let's do one just so that the listeners and you all can get a feel for what we're trying to do. I want you to have fun with this. This is intended to be funny. So Joel, I want you to prompt me with the topic. The bad.
1: Tell me about the bad, Dawn.
0: My response would be the intern. All right, so you get it? So we're going to do those really fast. Um, Round two is going to be a 10 minute uncensored um, exercise, if you will. So I get to choose one of your answers from round one, for which then you will need to provide an uncensored explanation of the situation. So, for example, if Angela, if you say past gas for the funny prompt, well, my friend, you're going to have to explain that one. I'm going to come back at you and I'm going to say, okay, Angela, you're going to need to explain that particular leadership nugget because that's funny. All right. Are you ready? All right, let's go. The good.
2: Organizational alignment.
1: Building a vision.
2: The bad. Search revealed.
1: Uh, when things don't go right.
2: <laughs> the funny. Other duties assigned.
1: <laughs> when things don't go right.
2: <laughs> uh, the ugly. First year leading. When things don't go right. The worst, COVID
1: nineteen. Uh, second, I'll I'll agree with that one.
0: The best,
2: growing leaders.
1: COVID eighteen.
2: <laughs> the kick ass professional development program.
1: Uh, mentoring others.
2: The lesson, three sixty degree feedback. Uh,
1: good question. What was that one? The, the lesson.
2: The lesson.
1: When when things don't go right.
2: <laughs> the redemption. Inspired arts
0: management.
1: Uh, the relationships and the creating memories experiences.
0: Excellent. The cry. Layoffs. Uh,
1: continually canceling events.
0: And the embarrassing. Public speaker stalking.
1: My name used in vain.
0: <laughs> that was great. All right, the the first of its kind hot seat you all delivered beautifully. That was so awesome. Um, Joel, your name being used in vain. <laughs>
1: So when we hosted, usually when we host the NCAA tournament, I'm the guy who's the credential guy. And so I control who's doing what and where in the on the playing floor area. And so what ends up happening is at some point, everybody there, A, knows me, and B, has figured out or is trying to figure out some way to do something that they probably know that they can't do. And they will say, oh, well, Joel said I could do this. Joel said I could do this or Joel said we could be here. And I haven't talked to three quarters of these people about any of this stuff whatsoever, but everybody is using my name constantly. And there's at least three times over the walkie talkie. Hey, Joel, I got, what, what are you talking about? No, no, I hold on. I'll be there in a minute. And then you have to go put out that fire. So,
0: yeah, what Joel's not telling you is that I was one of those callers. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we got this Dawn lady over here who said... Well,
0: Joel said I could. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Well, that, that's sort of like people said. People told me that, and you're like, who are these people? Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that's the thing is, everybody's like, oh, I know Joel's the guy. If I use his name, that'll give me whatever. I no.
0: Hilarious. That's very funny. All right, Angela, for your prompt in the lesson, and I actually remember even giggling about this, the 360 evaluation, like those have such good and bad things to it. So why did you choose that? Uh,
2: uh, I received a 360. It was actually the first feedback I received after my first year of leadership. And um, as I said in my The Ugly, the first year of leadership is really messy. Yes,
0: yes, it is. The first year? Hold on, the first year? <laughs> no. I, I think the
2: first year of transitioning from being a doer to a leader is particularly messy and very unsettling for most people. And it takes a little time to get your feet underneath you. And hopefully, you have a team that will give you the grace to do that. And I certainly did at Casey Rep. But um, the 360-degree feedback uh, was again the first evaluation I had received about my leadership, and it was horrifying to me. <laughs> um, they they came in, and and we had a professional firm that came in and did this, and. Um, And there were very, um, I think the thing that was the most interesting for me was how I viewed myself and how other people viewed me. My board and I were very aligned. The staff um, on some aspects, particularly communication and um, timeliness, things that I thought I was actually quite good at, those things were the things that people internally had felt like I needed to improve on. Um, at the time I was so upset about it and really like, they don't know me and, um, and, and felt very defensive about it. But, uh, I had a really great coach who sat down with me and said, okay, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe you're good at this. What matters is whether other people believe you're good at this. So what do you need to do to get better at it? And I created a whole game plan of how do I need to improve my communication? How do I need to improve timeliness? And like with timeliness, what what was happening is uh, I wasn't in control of my own calendar. So people would put me in meeting after meeting after meeting with no way to get to the meeting. Yes. You know, and I so I'd be five, 10 minutes late for right. a meeting yep. because I didn't have time. And so I just began to put these parameters in place. If I'm traveling to a meeting, I need 30 minutes. If I if I am going from one meeting to another, I need five minutes for a for a break. Um, and and some of it was so simple, some of it was so easy to adjust. But one of the things that I also was told during that time, because again, I was feeling very defensive about it. Was at some point you will look at this three hundred and sixty degree feedback and believe it is a gift, and I remember saying, "No, no way, <laughs> I will not think this is a gift. This yeah. is terrible." And you know what? It was a gift. Yeah, it was a gift for very early on in my leadership career, getting unfettered feedback to be able to make change and be able to do it swiftly. And it is a very hard process. I don't recommend it for organizations that are fractured in any way. And I certainly don't recommend it for an organization to do it to terminate a leader. I believe that it is most powerful when the organization wants the leader to be better and the leader wants to be better as well.
0: That's a that's absolutely right. And I really appreciate you saying that about the 360 because <clears throat> I too have similar experiences. Not only just from me participating in a 360, but also offering them is that oftentimes, um, again, if your culture is not in a very productive culture or a safe environment or a safe culture, um, 360s could really be perceived as being a setup. And um, yeah, so I think that's a really great advice for other leaders out there and other organizations that are listening to this. I think it's really great. Uh, Joe, I saw you uh, shaking your head. Um, do you have do you have experiences with 360s?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. I think the big thing you see out of it is, is is getting that feedback from everybody that you don't necessarily get in one of those it's it's always good to get that feedback in a safe space and as you get that and then you're able to make changes and figure out, okay, I need to change these things to get better.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, you all, I, I can't thank you enough for just taking the time to do this. I know we're all really, really, really busy and we're all really trying to Uh, make sure that our own organizations are sustainable. And so thank you for doing this. I know that some of this information that we share today is really going to help those who are listening. And that was really part of my goal. So do you have any parting words um, before we um, say goodbye?
2: I think uh, for me, what I would say is in, in leadership, it is about the relationships. It's about connection and it's also about bringing your core values to an organization and and believing that that serves that particular organization. I think when those things are aligned and you are able to use your own core values to lead and that that is valued, that's great leadership. That's when you feel at all the things are flowing correctly. And it's when you do great work. Okay.
0: Yeah, and Angela, those core values, I I love that. I love that you said that because those core values, that's a staple regardless of whether we're pre-COVID or during COVID, right? I mean, you talked about that strategic plan and how, you know, you're just going to have to put that on the shelf for a little while, but core values are core values. And so, and I would say that it's even more important to have those core values at this very moment because that is what stabilizes. That's the guiding light, right? Like people can connect to those core values and know that everything's going to be okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for that input. Joel.
1: I think for the kind of my parting piece of this is, is that we we staying positive. I think that's the hardest thing right now in this whole thing is every day there. Uh, our good friend John uh, Krasinski with the Good News good, good News Network. That show is so needed right now because the only thing you hear is doom and gloom, negative, negative, negative. Uh, the positive rate six hundred percent higher than it was a month ago, and all these things. I, I've gotten the point. I just tune If I don't care, wake me up when they've cured it and it's gone. I, I'm. I've got to focus on one day at a time, what's in front of me and how we continue to make things better uh, here with our company and within our community, because that's ultimately who we're serving. And if we do that, then everything else is gonna take care of itself. And so um, that's kind of, you know, my mantra right now is let's, how do we how do we make today better than the last and how do we keep pushing forward? And if we do, it, and it's one of the things, it sounds corny, But if we all chip in and do RPs, then we'll all get through this together.
0: Excellent conclusion to this show. Thank you to the both of you so much for um, providing your insight. Thank you, Dawn. Thanks for having me.
1: Dawn, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you uh, allowing us to join you for your maiden voyage.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, this concludes today's episode of Leadership Uncensored. Thank you so much to both Angela and Joel for joining me today. Tune in next week for episode two entitled Cultured Milk When You Know It Is Time to Leave. Our guest will be Hope McMath, founder of Yellow House, an organization with a mission to connect art and community to build understanding, inspire empathy, and spark civic engagement. You do not want to miss this one. So tune in next week for that. Again, thank you so very much for joining me. And uh, until next week.